Well, good morning, everybody. Live stream, I think we're actually working today. It's good to have you back with us. Sorry, we've been down a couple services. All right, tithe and offering. If you have, uh, you have giving today, you can prepare that. Offering envelopes are available in the chairs in front of you. If not, uh, wave your hand around and one of the ushers will help you out. They also have prayer cards, too. If you have a prayer need today, we'd love uh, to, to join in faith with you. So wave your hand around and the ushers will have uh, one of those prayer cards also. And, and if you still have a Thanksgiving offering, which is the yellow envelopes, you haven't given that yet, you're, you're welcome to uh, continue to turn that in. We also appreciate that. So, because uh, I got a lot of announcements, let's just pray over our, our tithe and our offering today. Uh, as we give. Lord, we thank you to be able to come together this morning uh, once again on, on this Sunday morning to, to worship you, to gather in your name, uh, to be a witness to, to be a witness to those around us that we believe, so we gather together. And I pray as, as we give today, it's, it's another testimony of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of who you are in our lives, Lord. So we thank you, especially in this time of year, Lord, uh, when the focus goes so much on just, just uh, consumerism, Lord, that that we are reminded of your faithfulness and your goodness and your provision. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. We all say amen. amen. So if you have something, you can bring it. I have a handful of announcements uh, for you. Uh, churchwide prayer uh, is on break until January. Okay, so no churchwide prayer tomorrow. So for the month of December, it's off. And then we will be back together when we kick off our 21 days of prayer in January, on January 7th, and, and we'll give you more details about that. 21 days of prayer. During that time, the church will be open every day for designated times for people to come pray. So, uh, again, January 7th, 21 days of prayer kicks off, but no uh, normal church-wide prayer on Mondays in uh, December. Uh, also, uh, Kids Church has special stuff going on every Sunday this month. Uh, today, they have something happening. Next Sunday, uh, they got... Uh, what I see here, cocoa and cookies. And then in two weeks from today, it's uh, pancakes and pajamas day. So uh, parents be aware of that. And if any of you parents come in your pajamas, I'm going to send you back home. So uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. And apparently, however this is possible, just so parents are aware, all the stuff that they're making is gluten-free and non-GMO and all that for any kids that have uh, some issues with that stuff. So anyhow, uh, good things happen in kids' shirts. So if you want more information, you can go ask them about it. Um, and then next Sunday, a week from today, we have our church-wide Christmas party. So right after church next Sunday, we'll be heading over to the Miller's Place, and they have a wonderful uh, place that we can go and gather at, and they, they're uh, wonderful to allow us to come meet there. Here, here's what it's about. So I'm going to provide fried chicken. You guys bring all the side dishes to share, and if you bring nothing, we'll have fried chicken. So how about that? Um, and we'll, we'll just have a good time celebrating together uh, a Christmas party. And the only extra thing, if you want to participate in this, you can. You don't have to. We will have a little gift exchange for adults and also one for teenagers. And uh, some people call it white elephant. But if you want to participate, we'll just exchange gifts. We'll do something where we just pass it around. Uh, if you want to, the adults, you can spend up to 10 bucks, something, something little. And for, for the teenagers, that's the youth, something for 5 bucks. Now, if you want to participate and there's finances or an issue, let me know. And then we will give something to all the kids for them to open to. Just something fun we can do. But if you don't want to participate or whatever in that, that's fine. But just come fellowship with us, eat with us. That's next Sunday, right after church. As soon as we're done, we'll head over there and have a good time together. 
Uh, and then beyond that is our uh, Christmas uh, candlelight service, Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year. So that Sunday, by the way, um, uh, December has five Sundays in it. And as you know, whenever we have a five-Sunday month, we have one big family on the fifth Sunday. What we're going to do is we're going to push one big family up to Christmas Eve morning. So all the kids will be with us Christmas Eve morning, uh, as always. And then... Uh, We'll have our candlelight service that evening at 6 o'clock, and the kids will participate in that service. We'll have, we'll have some uh, Christmas uh, hymns, candlelight service together. So make plans to be with us on Christmas Eve. And last but not least, I think, uh, we have these devotions in the back. They're called The Wondrous Story. And if you haven't been here for a couple weeks, um, wave your hand around if you want one of these. It's a daily reading, a short reading, uh, just to remind us the reason why we're celebrating Christmas and a couple verses and a little explanation about it. So if you want one of these, real quick, if you haven't been here, wave your hand around, and, if, and Al will give you one of these right now. It actually started on December 1st, which was a couple days ago, but you can jump in today on this, okay? So... I'm always happy when announcements are over. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. Go to the book of John. We are starting our Christmas series today. So if, if, if you haven't heard it yet, Merry Christmas. Here we are already. As I, as I always heard when I was younger, the older you get, time moves faster. And I'm finding it to be true. I feel like I'm on a grease sled being shoved down a hill. It's just, it's just flying by. Um, but here we are at Christmas season once again, and it is uh, a wonderful time of year. And I said this Wednesday, and let me just bring this back up, um, and we say this every year because it's very important, that the time around Thanksgiving through uh, New Year's for some people is considered the most wonderful time of the year. But there's a whole lot of people, this is the worst time of year, and for a lot of different reasons. And, and if you want to talk about uh, depression and suicide, suicide attempts between Thanksgiving and Christmas are greater than the attempts of the rest of the year. Okay? So in other words, as, as much as people love this time of year and the Christmas carols and the lights and all this different stuff, there's, there's a, a segment of the population that are struggling. I tell you that to say this. A, if that's you, there's hope. Okay, B, be aware of what's around you, okay, and, and reach out to people. And I, I think sometimes um, it's easy to, I don't know how I want to put this, it, it's easy to look at somebody and say, oh, just get over it. I mean, what I'm talking about. And that's just not that way, okay? So be prayerful, be, be, be connecting with people, encouraging the people during this time of year, okay? Amen. All right, John chapter 1. I'm, I'm going to read a couple verses and, and kind of lead into our series over the next uh, handful of weeks. John chapter 1 and verse number 14, and, and the wonderful uh, opening of the gospel, John, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, right down to verse 14, says this, And the Word, and who is the Word? Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made, and nothing that was made has been made outside of him. That's the beginning of John 1. The Word, what John is saying, is Jesus. And John chapter 14 says, uh, 1 verse 14, And the Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us, or he dwelt among us. Or uh, one way you can see is he came and set up a tabernacle, a tent among us. 
And here's the testimony, because this is true. And we have seen his glory. The glory as the one and only son from father. And he has come full of grace and truth. So jump over to Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 9. Colossians 2 and verse 9. It says, for in him, in Jesus... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily or in the flesh. For in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity, the whole fullness of God dwells bodily, dwells in flesh. So the word became flesh, and when the word becomes flesh, the fullness of God dwells among us. Put those verses together. That's Christmas. That's the story of Christmas. Jesus being born, God in flesh, and the fullness of God dwells in that body. The paradox of our, Christmas, our Christian faith. Fully man and fully God. And in that moment, whether or not the world realized it, is, is, comes my favorite line of a Christmas hymn from O Holy Night. It says, and a weary world rejoices. They may not know it in the moment, but that moment has come where this weary world, lost in its sin, lost in its brokenness, can rejoice because God has come in flesh. As Isaiah says in chapter 9, the, the great prophet Isaiah, he says, And the people in darkness have seen a great light. Amen. So in, in December, I, I want to approach Christmas through this idea of see the Savior. And we'll be looking at aspects of uh, those, a part of what we call the Christmas story and how they uh, not only participated in it, but how they would see it. So today I want to I see the Savior and we're going to talk about Mary. Next Sunday we're going to talk about the angels. Then, then the week after, and I, th I think the, the third week of this, I think it's important, we're going to talk about Herod. And then we'll come back to the visiting wise men. So what we're going to do over the next four weeks but to see the Savior through Mary's eyes, obviously, is because God came in flesh. That means he had to come through flesh. See, that this grand drama of God coming into the world is played out in the scriptures and story for us. And this grand drama, it needs angels. Angels are there, Right? It needs people, obviously, you have Mary and certainly Joseph's involved in this whole story. But God coming in flesh was chosen for a very specific time in history. And that story goes from a manger to a cross, then to an empty tomb. But one thing about the Christmas story that really strikes me, and we'll come back to this later, is that God is absolutely determined to be with us. He's determined. God is determined to save his lost creation. And in his determination to be with us, and his determination to save his lost creation, this is how he chose to do it. God in flesh. Now, not getting ahead of myself here, but eventually, Jesus is coming back, right? We're in between times of his coming. His coming into the world, God in flesh, born of a virgin. 
He's coming back again. And when he comes back again, he's, he's going to be riding on a white horse and he's going to come in judgment. But when God came to save the world, he didn't come storming through the clouds in a fit of rage, angry at his creation. He came as a, a baby. You know the song Silent Night? False. Have you ever been around a baby when it's born? Not much silence there, right? Isn't it a way in a manger? Something in that song, no, I don't know, no crying he makes? False. Jesus wasn't that pious as a baby, I don't think. God didn't come storming through the clouds in anger. He came as a child. You see that? There's something about the way God has come to save us that shows us the very nature of God. So let, let's jump in with Mary here. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, and angels are part of the drama, has to be, Right? The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who was to be wedded to a man whose name was Joseph, who was of the house of David. And this virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O oh, oh favored one, the Lord is with you. Other translations say highly favored but obviously in response here, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for, I have, uh, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And there, there is prophetic insight right there. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Echoing Isaiah chapter 9. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived the son. That's John the Baptist. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And here comes the heart of Mary. And, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's an amazing, amazing story right there. See, the wonder of what God does, the angel comes and immediately he says to her, do not be afraid. Listen, God is going to draw near. Don't be afraid. And here should be the attitude that we should take. Whenever God wants to draw near, do not be afraid. Again, God 
to save us didn't come storming through the clouds and angry. He comes as a baby. Don't be afraid. God is drawing near to us in order to save us. And Mary, Mary had favor with God, obviously. It's the wonder of Mary. But I like what he says to her. For nothing is impossible with God. There's other translations that, that take that verse and, and says, no word from God will ever fail. I, I want you to take that statement. Nothing is impossible with God. No word from God will ever fail. And plant your flag right there. Plant it. And believe and stand there. For nothing is impossible with God. And no word from God will ever fail. So much so that a virgin can have a baby. My goodness. We don't have to go into uh, biology or all that stuff right now. Don't have to take you back to seventh grade health. When a virgin has a baby, nothing is impossible with God. And because God has decreed it, no word from God will ever fail. Amen. And then there is this miraculous mystery of God, a work that beyond our understanding, that the Holy Spirit in a mysterious way overshadowed her. I would encourage you to give God room in your life for the working of his spirit that goes beyond your understanding. Make room for him. If you don't make room for God to work in you with the power of the spirit beyond your understanding, you are limited to what God can do in your life. You've got to open the door. That if he is the God where all things are possible, and he is the God in which his word will never fail, then you have to open the door for the Holy Spirit to be able to do things beyond what you can reason and understand in your mind. Don't limit him. For there is no situation or circumstance which the mysterious working of God can't produce what God says needs to be produced in that situation. Amen. Now, as you can imagine, though, uh, Mary, by the way, probably wasn't 20 years old. Maybe it was more like 15 when all this is going on. Teenager. Imagine when you were a teenager. Imagine an angel showing up to you tonight. It'd be kind of scary, right? Hopefully he doesn't say to you what he said to Mary. But um, I know when I was a teenager, I don't know if I'd have comprehended what was going on. I don't know. But this young girl who's pledged to be married to Joseph had a visitation from this angel. At some point, there need to set in on her the ramifications of what was going to happen socially. Because in that day, girls pregnant out of wedlock were not accepted in society. She probably would have been an outcast. And even according to the law, adulterers could be stoned. Now, can you imagine if she was drugged before the court you're not married. You haven't been with Joseph. That's his testimony. How is it that you're pregnant? Well, it was God. I haven't been with nobody. God did that. I mean, it would, it would have been laughable. 
But, but this young girl, at some point, with the understanding of the ramifications of what may happen to her socially, still accepted what God had said, because whenever God says it, then comes with it is the way for this to work through. Because at some point, at some point, even if she's socially ostracized, the word of God will not fail. Even if she's drugged before the court and the law, the word of God will not fail. And it's interesting to me how God would even come to the world in, in what would seem such a scandalous way, by the way. Maybe a foreshadowing of the people that he's after. He's come to seek and save those who are lost. But I love the amazing trust that Mary has. Her response is, well, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Oh, if we could just live that way. If we could just have that kind of trust. How many of you consider yourself a servant of the Lord? Let me see. Okay. Do you just trust him at his word? Even, even if initially it seems to put you on the outs. You got to think, in her mind, my, my marriage is probably over because Joseph isn't going to buy this. So I'm going to lose that. I may be shunned socially. This may even be put in a place where my life is going to be called into question. But yet I am the servant of the Lord. Whatever you say, no matter what seems to be the ramification, let it be to me. That's amazing trust. That we would trust that way. Open-hearted. And notice that, I don't know, it, it records what it records. It's interesting what the Bible records and what it doesn't record. It, she didn't, according to this, ask any other questions. She didn't say, okay, yeah, but time out. Can I ask some things about this? You see what I'm saying? She simply just received what the, the word of the angel was. Say, Okay. This is the direction of my life from here forward. That we would have the kind of trust that Mary has. Now, what kind of uh, comes after this? She, she visits with her cousin, her, her cousin Elizabeth and, and, and uh, the understanding that she also, in a miraculous way, is bearing a child, John the Baptist. But her trust eventually comes to an outburst of a new song. Actually, a new song, but rooted in the words of the Old Testament, but a new song, a song of joy, a song about the work of God. And I want to read that song. It's, it's Luke chapter number 1. Stay there, but verse 46. Uh, other, others have called this song the, the Magnificat. Do you know that this song, as recorded in the scriptures here, that, that Mary uh, came forth with after understanding what was going on, this song 
in certain countries at certain time periods was banned. You weren't allowed to sing it in church. Because if you catch the nature of it, it's the nature of the kingdom of God, it is subversive to the powers that be. And they didn't want the people on the outskirts to uprise. Listen to this song. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, for now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he scattered the proud in their thoughts and of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, but exalted those of humble estate. For he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to offspring, to his offspring forever. Amen. And that is the work of the kingdom of God. See, uh, who's back there? Christian, if you'll throw that slide up, please. Again, God is determined to be with us, and this is our ongoing hope. Amen. He's absolutely determined to be with us. And in this, we find hope today and going forward. Because without God's determination to be with us, we have no hope. We're lost, and we cannot fix ourselves. His determination to be with us is the start of the call of Abram all the way through the nation of Israel and the story of Israel getting to Jesus. In the specific time of history in which he came, his determination was so much that God took on flesh as a baby. That determination, that is getting so close you become like it. That's our ongoing hope. Not only for the work that Jesus did from a manger to a cross to an empty tomb, but as we await for him to come again, it is our great hope. See, in that song that, that Mary burst forth with in joy, and by the way, I would, I would say that uh, when the work of God is really gripping your life, it will come forth in joy. You can't contain what God is up to. And it will burst forth in certain ways. But in this song, you, you see that, that God is here for those who humble themselves. And in that is the power of God. And all the rulers, both seen and unseen, they will all be cast down and they will bow. Because ultimately the kingdom of God is for the outcast. And those on the outside that are looking in. And how this is happening, this was the plan all along. What the song of Mary says is that it is hopeful, it's prophetic, and it's very subversive. It undercuts sin and the systems of the world. 
That is the kingdom of God. That is the birth of Jesus. That's Christmas. That's why he's come. And if you can root through all this stuff I'm saying, if you just want to get right to the point, have hope. Have hope. And grab on to that hope. Because in God's determination, he will fulfill because nothing is impossible for God and no word from God will ever fail. Amen. So I want to I jump ahead in the story a little bit. Luke chapter 2. So, so we have Mary coming to an understanding of, of that she's going to be pregnant and uh, she burst forth with this song. But let's jump ahead. She's had Jesus. This whole, uh, the angels rejoicing and, and the shepherds are coming to see him in Bethlehem. Verse 19 of chapter 2. And in the midst of all these things happening, watch this. But Mary treasured up all these things, gathered them all up, and pondered them, began pondering them, in her heart. Measured, Mary treasured, she began to treasure everything that was happening and began to ponder on what was going on. So here's, here's the thing. Christmas season, the busyness of the season, all the things happening. I want to encourage you to begin to do something, not, not just between now and December 25th, but as a habit of life. What I, what I want to say to you is very pastoral, so I want you to hear me. I think, I, I don't just think it, I believe that we need to be better at pondering the things of God. We need to be better at treasuring up these things and pondering them in our hearts. Because I, I believe that often we miss the heart of God and we miss the heart of the kingdom of God and therefore lack the application of those things in our lives because we fail to ponder really what this is about. So, see if you can follow me here. My kids, when they were my boys, I don't know, they're 10 and whatever, so the oldest 10, 7, thank you. There were these things out called uh, plug-and-play video games. You don't have a video game system, but there's a controller that has games in it. And you plug it in the back of the TV, and, and on the controller, you get to choose which game you want to play, and you play it. And it's just a very basic, you know, uh, video game. So they had one that was like Star Wars games, okay? Christianity is not plug-and-play. You don't pull it out when you want it and plug it into your TV and play the game when you want to play the game. See, I'm getting at Your life is to be immersed into the Christian faith. It's not something you add to your life. It's something you put your life in. And if you don't begin to ponder the kingdom and the nature of God you'll miss it and end up just playing plug-and-play with your faith. When you face things in your life that you're going through, you must ponder 
I believe in Jesus. I believe in this whole story, this miraculous story of a teenage girl being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit in a mysterious way. She becomes pregnant. She births this baby, which is called Emmanuel, God with us. He lives a life that turns into a ministry where he does these miraculous things. He's healing people. He's walking on water. He's doing all this crazy stuff going on. He announces the kingdom of God, the forgiveness of sins. I believe all that. Well, if you believe that, ponder what life should be in light of it. And when you face situations of life, how is this situation in life supposed to be approached because I believe? I believe these great things about God. How is this to change my life? How am I supposed to approach this? How am I supposed to change me because of it? Think about it. Meditate on it. Meditate the scriptures. You've got to be able to catch the heart of God. So yesterday morning, um, and we'll we'll do... uh, some more teaching on prayer come January in the 21 days of prayer. We have Monday night prayer uh, on Monday. Botkins campus, they do a once a month Saturday morning prayer. So I was there yesterday and I, I shared the, the teaching part of it. And there was something I was sharing that I want you to catch is you, one way of pondering, one way of thinking, contemplating, is you have to learn that prayer is mostly about relationship. It's not about consumeristic idea of getting things you want. Unless you learn to be a person that prays relationally with God, you'll miss the heart of God. You'll miss the nature of the kingdom of God. So what happens is when you miss these things, here's what happens. When you see things in the Bible that seem hard or seem unattainable, they actually are unattainable. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can respond that way. I don't know if I can give my life to that. I don't know if I can change that. You're missing the heart of God. Because nothing is impossible for God. And no word of God will fail. That's the power of God then the nature of God in which I'm being called into is not unattainable. You see, I'm getting at. But if you don't take time to ponder the nature of God and think about these things, you'll miss the heart of it. And Christianity is just plug and play when you need it. I just need something now. Let me plug it in and play the game. And when I'm done, I just unplug it and just go about my life. Your entire life needs to go into it, but you'll miss it if you don't ponder like Mary. What do these things mean? How does it change my life? How must I approach this situation because I believe? And sometimes you need to really work through that prayerfully. Because often our initial responses, even though we're saved, may not be that of the heart of God or the nature of the kingdom of God. How many, how many get what I'm, what I'm saying? Okay. I want... So so I I pray a prayer, it's a simple prayer. Lord, I want to know you in the simplicity of the gospel. Pray that prayer, because the gospel's simple. But I also want to know you into the depths of who you are, because he is is deep and he is wide. 
But let me tell you something. You never get to know him that way if you're just trying to run through the whole thing fast as you can and pick at it as you go. You've got to spend some time. You've got to think, ponder, meditate on the scripture. So an example would be the fruit of the Spirit. What, what, what I got on the schedule, a series on Wednesdays on the fruit of the Spirit next spring. When you meditate on the fruit of the Spirit and you get some hard ones like kindness, how many of you honestly find it hard to be kind sometimes? Oh, yeah. I'm glad everybody raised their hand. Good. Amen. I picked the right one. Let me tell you something. That is not unattainable for you. Why? Because nothing fails with God, and his word will not fail. Kindness is attainable for you, but sometimes you really have to think about the nature of the king of God and, and the heart of God to catch it. Oh, I've got to be kind. No, it's the heart of God. You see what I'm getting at? You've got to think about it. Ponder it. Treasure it up in your heart. And in these moments, prayerfully done, the Holy Spirit can come in and then do beyond your understanding, like the mysterious working with Mary. He will work in your life. Amen. But ponder these things. So Christmas season, I get it busy. Start the habit of pondering now, thinking now, contemplating now. We're doing this whole big thing leading up to a candlelight service on Christmas Eve, then whatever you do Christmas Day, it's a whole big production. Okay. We'll step out of it. God, why did you come in as a person? Start to think. Why are you so determined to be with us? Catch his heart. What does it mean for me as I live my life every single day? Job, uh, family, the, the things I face, the good things. How, how does this affect how I live life? Think about these things. And you start a life cycle where the heart of God will become more clear to you. Other than something you know, other than something you can read in your Bible, but it becomes clear right here. That's, that's the illumination of the Holy Spirit, right here. And then change happens. And then all of a sudden, you'll find somewhere down the road that you just don't really struggle with kindness anymore. Because it's part of your nature. You, you are growing new fruit in your life. See? That's the determination of God, not only in your salvation, but for your intention. He's taken you somewhere. Let him lead you there. Amen? Amen. Uh, ushers, if, if you'll come this morning, we're going to close out our time together today by partaking of communion together. <clears throat> so I, I grew up in a... I told you this before, my parents, when I was like... Oh my goodness, probably 12. They started taking in foster children into our home. 
And um, I don't forget one day in church, they were passing the communion through the crowd. And I was sitting there and I think it was either Ernie or Aaron, I'm not sure which one was sitting next to me and the other was sitting next to me. And there was a row. And we passed the communion juice. Whoever was sitting next to me bent down. As soon as the juice was over top of him, we sat up. And we were baptized in the communion juice. Everybody around us on that wonderful Sunday morning. I don't know why I told you that story. I, I kind of broke the moment. Anyways, I always, I always think, I think almost every time we take communion, I think about that. I'll just, I, you just, it's like slow motion. It's like, just one of those amazing moments in church. Anyways, if you wish to this morning, if you wish to, I invite you to come and partake of communion with us. This is the table of the Lord, and we come to meet him here. So if you want to, you can stand up and come to the middle aisle, please, and then make your way around the sides. It's the most orderly way we can do it. And when you get back to your seat, we'll partake together. again, John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. From a manger to a cross. Literally giving his life broken body. Literally shedding his blood. For he calls, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
And to back up that call, he went and died on the cross for us. So why did Jesus come? Why did Mary have a baby? Right here. That's why. You can't celebrate Christmas without them celebrating Easter. You know that? They go together. So whenever we celebrate Christmas, then we look towards Easter. But then when we're done celebrating Easter, then we just constantly look up and wait for his return. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your body that was crucified on the cross for us. That baby born grew into a man who was crucified. And you did it for us. You did it in our place. You entered the world as a human being in order to pay the penalty of death. That wage of sin, you paid it. No, not because you deserved it, but you went there and took all of our sins and in your body on that tree. Thank you. And we partake today of this bread in remembrance of that. So wonderful. So giving. Thank you. Let's partake together. And in the fulfillment of all things, Lord, your blood was shed. And Lord, I, I, again, in the pondering about you and what you have done, I, sometimes I just don't understand why you would forgive my sins. But yet you're a determined God who wants to be with me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the blood that washes away all of our sins in the past, now, and in the future. Thank you. We stand in it. We believe. Lord, we partake of this cup together in remembrance of the blood, your blood, that washes as white as snow. Partake together. Now I want you to practice something we were talking about. I want you to ponder for a moment the goodness of God and what this represents for your life. And then we'll close out with a a song together today. Just for a minute, think. Lord, thank you. So good, so wonderful that you would save us. That you would give yourself up for us. The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Jesus. Lord, how does this change us? How do we live life in in light of this? Help us see that. Oh, Lord, thank you. 
Ouchie. out today with a song that's called Jesus at All. If you didn't know, we actually put this song together in-house, one of ours. But I love this song because it's so simple, but it proclaims everything that Jesus is. He is all. Amen? But let's worship together before we leave. A shining light, an open door, healing touch. Oh, Jesus is all Freedom's call, hope restored, new life given Jesus is all Oh, call on him and he'll respond, he's here now anything, please, please come down afterward. We'd love to pray for you before you head home today. Second thing, back to what I said when I started. See, as a church, we have a couple goals. A is every time you come, we help equip you in the faith. But also for anybody who comes indoors to give hope. 
in this time of year, again, it's, it's a tough time for some people. Invite them to church. I'll do my best when they're here. Present hope. But it's so much better than me that we believe the Holy Spirit's here when we're together. And that he will do something beyond our understanding to touch their life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Just to be together today, we worship you. We praise you. You are so good, so wonderful. I pray blessings on everybody as they leave today. That they're encouraged, they, they're, they're strengthened, and they go take a light into the world. Give us opportunities this week to share you, make an impact. So as we go today, we go with hearts full, hearts full of you. Thank you for being with us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Again, if you want prayer, come on down. If not, we'll see you Wednesday. Next Sunday, invite somebody out.